Hello and welcome to Gin and Spooks. I'm Emma. And I'm Laura. And what are we talking about today, Laura? <laughs> we are talking about pirates. Arr. Pirates. <laughs> Arr. Arr. Shiver me timbers. Oh, I really wish I could. <laughs> really wish I could do it in like a deep voice. Shiver me timbers. Shiver me timbers. Um, what are we drinking today, Laura? Well, if you're talking about pirates, you've got to talk about talk about you've got to drink rum haven't you so we've both got rum we both got rum and coke have you got rum and coke i have yeah <laughs> rum and coke just a bug standard drink yeah yeah nothing special um we were kind of out of ideas for cocktails for this week because we've both been not great so rum and coke yes which just makes oh. me think of jack sparrow because he when he's like why is the rum gone <laughs> That's me with the gin. Why is the gin gone? Why is the gin gone? So yeah. Okay. Um, what have you what what information have you got? So I've got a bit about a place called the Republic of Pirates. Then I've got a bit on the pirate code. And then I've got some the story of Anne Bonny, a pirate from the 1700s. Okay, doke did you want to do the um, pirate code business first? Yes. So first, obviously, everybody knows a pirate is a person who attacks and robs ships at sea. A good definition for you all there. Um, so the golden age of piracy was during the 17th and 18th centuries. And apparently during this period, there was more than 5,000 pirates at sea. Famous pirates from this period include Henry Morgan, William Kidd, Calico Jack, Bartholomew Robert, and Blackbeard. So I'd heard of a few of those pirates, to be fair. Like Billy the Kid. Well, I was going to say Billy the Kid then, but I feel like he's a cowboy. I think he's a cowboy. But there's a William Kidd. Like, like some... Oh, was there? Yeah. The Pirate Code. Uh, a Pirate Code, Pirate Articles, or Articles of Agreement, were a code of conduct for governing pirates. When a group of sailors decided to turn into pirates, they would draw up their own code or they called it articles, I think, rather than a code at that time. So these would ensure that they had rules for discipline, division of any goods they stole and compensation for injured pirates. The first set of pirates code was supposedly written by a Portuguese buccaneer called Bartolomeu Portugues sometime in the early 1660s. The first recorded set belonged to George Cusack, who was active from 1668 to 1675. These early codes were based on maritime law and privateer codes stretching as far back as the 12th century. So um, pirate articles varied from one captain to another, and sometimes they would even change them depending on like what voyage they were going on. Um, but generally, they were all very similar. Each crew member on a boat was asked to sign or make his mark on the articles and swear an oath of allegiance. I swear allegiance to the flag. <laughs> um, that's, what made me, that's what that made me think of when I was writing this. <laughs> I pledge allegiance to the flag that they do in America. I don't know. Um, anyway, so they sometimes swore this oath using a Bible. But um, one, so John Phillips, his men used an axe because they didn't have a Bible. So they were all just swearing on this axe. Legend suggests that other pirates used anything from cross pistols, swords, cannons, or even a human skull to swear their oath. This act formally inducted the signer into their crew, 
which then granted them rights such as being able to vote for offices and on other affairs, to bear arms and entitled him to a share of the plunder. I love that word, plunder. Once signed, the articles were then posted in a prominent place, often the door to the captain's cabin so that everyone could see. Once on tour, or on a voyage I suppose, new recruits from captured ships would often sign the articles, in some cases voluntarily, in other cases under threat of torture or death. People with valuable trades such as carpentry or navigation were especially pressured to sign because they were some useful people to have on board. Some men would pretend to refuse to sign so that if they were captured, they could plead that they had been forced because generally men who had not signed any pirate's code had a much better chance of acquittal at trial if they were captured. Nine complete or nearly complete sets of pirate articles have survived. So I'm going to read some of the pirate's codes out to you. A guy called Bartholomew, Bar, bleh, bleh, Bartholomew Roberts. His, art, his articles were very similar, but not fully identical to his former captain. Um, and then his articles influenced those of pirates that came after him and then later went on their way to their own captains. So, number one, every man has a vote in affairs of moment. He has equal title to the fresh provisions or strong liquors at any time seized and may use them at pleasure unless a scarcity makes it necessary for the good of all to vote a retrenchment. Pirates were actually very democratic, you know. That's what I've learned. Anyway, yeah. That's what I've learned from my research. Okay. <laughs> Number two, every man to be called fairly in turn by list on board of prizes because they were on these occasions allowed a shift of clothes, but if they defrauded the company to the value of the dollar in plates or money, marooning was their punishment. If the robbery was betwixt one other, they contended themselves with slitting the ears of the nose slitting the ears and nose of him that was guilty and set him on shore, not in an un- uninhabited place, but somewhere where he was insure- was sure to encounter hardships. So basically they were saying if someone was owed more than their fair share of the plunder, then, well, I think they'd take it in turns basically to have more than their fair share of the plunder. But then if someone stole something from someone else, they'd have their ears and their noses slit and then they'd just be dropped off somewhere random. <laughs> So no persons to game at cards or dice for money, so they weren't allowed to gamble. Uh, the lights and candles to be put out at eight o'clock at night. If any of the crew after that hour still remained inclined for drinking, they were to do it on the open deck. Oh, lights out at eight, lads. <laughs> Early to bed. <laughs> no lighting, no drinking. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one of the rules was to keep their piece, pistols and cutlass clean and fit for service. It's kind of like the army. Keep you you clean. No boy or woman was to be allowed amongst them. If any man were found, if any man were to be found seducing any of the latter sex and carried her to sea disguised, he was to suffer death. A bit dramatic just for uh, just for sex. Yes. Um, There was a whole extra chunk on that in brackets, but I don't need to read that. Number seven is so if they deserted the ship or their quarters in battle, they'd be punished with death or marooning. And this is just the first guy's ones. I won't read them all. Another one is no striking another on board, but every man's quarrels to be ended on shore at sword and pistol. So I'm guessing if they argued, they weren't allowed to settle it on the ship. They had to wait till they were on shore and then they could fight. No man to talk of breaking up their way of living till each had shared £1,000. If in order to do this, any man should lose a limb or become a cripple in their service, he was to have $800 out of the public stock for lesser hurts proportionally. 
So essentially that's giving them compensation. Okay, then the captain and quartermaster received two shares of a prize, the master and boatswain and gunner, one share and a half, and all other officers, one and a quarter. So essentially, if you had a higher ranking, I guess you got more money from all of the prizes. Yeah. And then, this one's made me laugh, the musicians to have rest on the Sabbath day, but the other day six, but the other six days and nights, none without special favour. They had musicians <laughs> that were allowed the Sabbath off. Like... Oh, <laughs> just a party. Can you imagine that? How, like, oh, play me an upbeat song, lads. <laughs> like, yeah. Yo. I'll play oh. Galway Girl by Ed Sheeran. Like, na, na, na. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a party boat, but lights out by eight, lads. Gotta go to bed early. <laughs> that, that's me right now, that is. <laughs> so, there's another guy whose code I've got here called John Phillips. And as I said before, it's his, um, think it was yeah so john phillips is the captain whose men swore on an axe rather than the bible every time that they got on ship um so the first of his code is the one where it says the captain should have one full share and a half of all prizes the master carpenter boatswain and gunner shall have one share and a quarter number two if any man shall offer to run away or keep any secret from the company he shall be marooned with one bottle of powder one bottle of water one small arm and a shot. So you know how Jack, like Jack Sparrow. Sparrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's actually one of the rules. Of and the- then he's like, how did you get off that island? And he's like, sea turtles, mate. Yeah. I braided what? my hair and rode sea turtles or something like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, number three, if any man shall steal anything in the company or game to the value of a piece of eight, he shall be marooned or shot. Pieces of eight, pieces of eight. What's that from? That's a pirate thing, isn't it? The parrot. That's um, Pirates of the Caribbean as well. Yeah. The pieces of eight, um, you know, the like gold medallions that yeah. they got. I'm sure, is it the parrot on Aladdin? Does he shout pieces of eight, pieces of eight? Maybe. Um, okay. Number four. If at any time we shall meet another marooner, that man shall sign his articles without the consent of our company, shall suffer such punishment as the captain and company shall think fit. I need to read that a few more times to understand what that means. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. That man, so number five, that man that shall strike another whilst these articles are in force shall receive Moses's law on the bare back. So Moses's law, it says that's 40 stripes lacking one. So I'm guessing it was like, it's been hit on the back. Out. Yeah. yeah. You can get whipped like with one whip, one like tail, or you yeah. can get whipped with um nine. Is it cat and nine tails? Is originally like a... Yeah, because it's like got all the straggly ends at the end, and yeah. Yeah. Every time anyone mentions whips, I just think of Chandler going, whoopa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they all like go, what kind of noise is that? And they all like do whatoosh. Yeah. Or something he keeps going, <laughs> Okay. Um, that man that shall snap his arms or smoke tobacco in the hold without a cap to his pipe or carry a candle lighted without a lanthorn, lanthorn shall suffer the same punishment as in the former article. So, health and safety, right there. Yeah, no safety. smoking tobacco in the hold. Number seven, the man that does not keep his arms clean, fit for an engagement, or neglects his business, shall be cut off from his share and suffer such other punishment as the captain and the company shall think fit. That's another one where, like, you've got to keep your cutlass clean. That sounds like a euphemism. 
<laughs> so number eight if any man shall lose a joint in time of an engagement he shall have 400 pieces of eight if he loses a whole limb 800 pieces of eight again there's the compensation one if Did you have an accident that wasn't your fault <laughs> you might be entitled to some pieces of eight <laughs> i feel like if you lost a limb though in those days i feel like you probably would not survive it i mean, no, i don't know because there's loads of stories of pirates with like peg legs and hooks and stuff but realistically it depends how like um how clean you were i guess yeah or how lucky you were because like a lot of them would have died from like infections and stuff yeah. like well when they're on at sea and stuff like they'll get dysentery and yeah. all sorts of illnesses weren't they yeah well firstly you've got to survive the blood loss like if you yeah. your leg off you've got there's a main artery there secondly like the infection and stuff oh god um <laughs> And then the last one of John Phillips is if at any time you meet with a prudent woman, that man that offers to meddle with her without her consent, shall suffer present death. So that one to me sounds like if you rape a woman, you will die, <laughs> which, you know, fair, fair enough. It's a shame that's not um, hmm. that's not something we go by right now no. in this so, day and age. I'm not being funny. Pirates who are seen to be bad guys and criminals have better rules than we do nowadays yeah the, the gentlemen that you know they have boundaries they yeah. were like no what you know made yeah. some boundaries right so i've got like a few more people's articles here but i'm not going to read them all through because they're all basically the same but there's one that's caught my eye here that says he that shall be found guilty of cowardice in the time of engagements shall suffer what punishment the captain and the majority of the company shall think fit. So if you're a scaredy cat, the whole boat can vote as to what your punishment will be. Oh, God. What well, if you got that one sicko who's like, let's do this and everyone agrees? Yeah. Let's oh. slit. <laughs> like slit his tendons. Oh. oh, no, that's <laughs> awful. Yeah. Oh. Okay, if any gold, jewels or silver etc be found on board of any prize or prizes to the value of a piece of eight and the finder doesn't deliver it to the quartermaster in the space of 24 hours he shall suffer what punishment the captain and the majority of the company shall think fit so again i think this is like if you've plundered a ship and you've taken something if you don't tell the boss that you've got it then the company can vote for a punishment there's another one about no gambling there's another one about compensation oh he that shall be guilty of drunkenness in time of engagement shall suffer what punishment the captain and the majority of the company shall think fit can't be drunk when you're fighting no snapping oh, of guns old as well well i wonder what snapping of guns means now now i'm like maybe does it mean like cleaning guns or refilling them with like gunpowder and shit what was the phrase again snapping of guns oh so it says on here a snap lock is what ignites a weapon's propellant by means of sparks produced when a spring-powered cock strikes a flint down onto a piece of hardened steel. So the snap lock is um, what's used to, like, ignite the gunpowder, essentially. So I reckon, like, the no snapping of guns is to do with maybe shooting them or just, like, cleaning them or doing something to them that would risk a fire. Like how they're not allowed to smoke tobacco in the hold. I think it's to reduce fire in the ship. Yeah, because... Um... <clears throat> Like, I don't know, say if I lit a cigarette and I was in, like, the hold of, like, a ship. Yeah. There's, like, a high risk that I would just set off. Like, I would explode yeah. the ship. 
because exactly. you've got gunpowder on there and all yeah. you know the the bombs that they used yeah okay so the articles of john gow have got some good ones every man shall obey his commander in all respects as if the ship was his own and as if he received monthly wages no man shall give or dispose of the ship's provisions but everyone shall have an equal share no man shall go on shore till the ship is off ground and in readiness to be put to sea Every man shall keep his watch night and day, and at the hour of eight in the evening, everyone shall retire from gaming and drinking in order to attend his respective station. Every person who shall offend against any of these articles shall be punished with death, or in such manner as the ship's company shall think proper. I just, I just like it. <laughs> I just like their rules. I think they're very fair. I'm not going to lie. Well, you know, like, you have to think, like, you're with, like, however many people on a ship if you're pissing about you're risking not your own life but everyone else's life so it makes sense that a lot of them would be like okay if you piss about or you do this and you break the rules like we're going to kill you because you're risking all of our lives and stuff yeah serious business stealing loot from other ships that is all i've got on the pirate's code I've got a tiny little bit on a place called the Republic of Pirates. So there is a place on New Providence Island in the Bahamas um, called the Republic of Pirates. It was established in 1706 and disestablished in 1718. So essentially, the Republic of Pirates was the base or stronghold of a loose confederacy run by privateers turned pirates in the Bahamas. It was governed by an informal pirate code, which dictated that the pirates ran their ships democratically, shared their plunder equally, and captains were elected and disposed of by popular vote. It was all very civil. Which, this is probably why you get such things like mutiny on pirate ships, because they're all like, well, we don't like the captains, so we can vote them out, essentially. Um, Yeah. There was thought to be minimal racism and classism, African and Irish heritage were both considered equal and all had the opportunity to become a captain. Many inhabitants of the Republic received a king's pardon or used the Republic to evade the law. So it's kind of like a safe haven for, for pirates, which makes me think of Tortuga in Pirates of the Caribbean. You know, when they're all just... Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. It's that bit in a dead, man, dead man's chest and they're in Tortuga and like they're hiring people and then everyone starts fighting and Jack Sparrow and Mr. Gibbs are just like avoiding everyone. Yeah, exactly. That's like the Republic of Pirates. So that's all I've got on those two. Then I've got the story of Anne Bonny. Did you want to do Francis Drake next or shall I do Anne Bonny? Um, no, I can do uh, Sir Francis Drake. Go. Um, so Sir Francis Drake was an English explorer, sea captain, privateer, slave trader, and naval officer and politician. Got it all. Good old Drake has. Um, Drake is best known for his circumnavigation of the world in a single expedition from 1577 to 1580. This included his incursion into the Pacific Ocean, until then an area of exclusive Spanish interest, and his claim to New Albion for England, an area in what is now the US state of California. His expedition inaugurated an area of conflict with the Spanish on the western coast of the Americas, an area that had previously been largely explored by Western shipping. Elizabeth I awarded Drake a knighthood in 1581, which he received on the Golden Hind in Deptford. In the same year, he was appointed mayor of Plymouth. As a vice admiral, he was second in command 
second in command of the English fleet in the victorious battle against the Spanish Armada in 1588, after unsuccessfully attacking San Juan in Puerto Rico, he died of dysentery in January 1596. Drake's exploits made him a hero to the English, but his privateering led the Spanish to brand him as a pirate, uh, known to them as El Drac or Drake, which is Spanish for the dragon. King Philip II of Spain allegedly offered a reward of 20,000 ducats for his capture or death, which is about six million pounds in modern currency. Whoa, that's huge. He was, uh, yeah, he was that. He was that notorious. King Philip was that pissed off with him that <laughs> he's like, here, have a fortune if you catch him. Yeah, scholars think it is likely that Drake was Ill- illegitimate and that he's. And that is probably why he was placed at the early age into the household of William Hawkins of Plymouth. Drake began his seagoing training as an apprentice on Hawkinson's boats. By 18, he was a burser. And in the 1550s, Drake's father found the young man a position with the owner and master of a small bark, barquet. One of the small traders plying between Medway River and the Dutch coast. Drake likely engaged in commerce along the coast of England the Low Countries and France. On the death of the Barquet's owner, Drake was given the Barquet, though it is possible the small boat may already have belonged to one of the Hawkins. Anecdotal evidence indicates Francis uh, next served in a fairly humble capacity as a seaman on a series of voyages on the ships of William's cousin John Hawkins between 1560 and 1568. As a humble sailor, Drake is seldom mentioned by name in any of the records. He carried mainly cloth and manufactured goods, often contraband, but piracy was always a lure. On a trip to Guinea, John Hawkins brought home to England valuable cargoes of gold, ivory, pepper and an idea. The West African slave trade was officially a Portuguese monopoly, but John Hawkins devised a plan to break into that trade and in 1562, enlisted the aid of friends and family to finance the venture. It was a success. Hawkins returned in 1563, a rich man. Shame on you, Hawkins. Shame on you. I want to return a rich man. Just reminds me of that bit with a shirt, like, Mom, I am a rich man. Yeah. Um, Hawkins immediately began planning his next trip, gaining both Queen Elizabeth's support in the form of a ship. Now, I don't know if it's Jesus or Jesus. Oh, if it's Spanish, Jesus. So I think I'm going to say Jesus de Lubeck. That's the name of the boat. And the rest of his needed venture capital from a consortium of investors. Drake was 20 and not a member of that consortium when he sailed on Hawkins' second voyage. But the crew would have received a share of a share in the profits. Therefore, scholars such as Chris Lane list Drake with Hawkins as one of the first English slave traders. Oh, that's shitty. That second run was also a success. However, the Spanish and Portuguese had become aware of what the English were doing, so they sent their London ambassadors to lodge complaints of Queen Elizabeth. Spain and Portugal were the major seafaring powers of the 16th century, holding established trade monopolies, including the West African slave trade. England was small, relatively poor, and struggling from civil and religious division. Elizabeth was not willing to risk war with Spain to the so the Queen instructed Hawkins not to undertake a third trip that year. Hawkins agreed and then co- covertly furnished John Lovell with the fleet to do it for him. Oh. Drake's present on an, 
on earlier voyages has been mostly con assumed, but there was a firm testimony that Drake was on board one of Lovell's ships for this voyage. So he ignored Queen Elizabeth. Oh. Naughty. Naughty, naughty. Um, in 1566 to 1567, sailing under Captain John Lovell on one of fleet of ships owned by the Hawkins family, they attacked Portuguese settlements and slave ships on the coast of West Africa and then sailed to the Americas and sold the captured cargoes of enslaved Africans to Spanish plantations. Mm. The voyage was largely unsuccessful, and more than 90 enslaved Africans were released without payment. When Lovell arrived back in Plymouth in 1567 with these disappointing results, Hawkins' third troublesome voyage was planned. It would be a turning point in Drake's life. Uh, one account of the troublesome third voyage was has Drake as captain of Hawkins's ship, Judith, from the beginning of the voyage, whereas another account places him as a junior officer aboard the Jesus of Lebec. Jesus of Lebec. Instead, Whitfield says the voyage began badly and it grew progressively worse. The voyage ended ill-fated in 1568 um, due to the incident at San Juan. San Juan? Uh, I always pick the ones where like, they have like difficult names. You do. You have a talent for um, I, I know, yeah. I will. I love um, it. Storm, storm, Spanish hostility and African resistance, armed conflict and friendly. And finally, a hurricane separated one ship from the fleet to find its own way home and damaged the others, forcing them to find a port where they could make repairs. After arriving in San Juan, um, the part of Vera Cruz, the newly appointed viceroy of New Spain, arrived with a fleet of ships. While still negotiating to resupply and repair Hawkins's ships, were attacked by the fleet of Spanish warships with all but two of the English ships lost. The Jesus de Lubeck was set on fire. Drake escaped, surviving the attack by swimming. The Judith departed, leaving Hawkins and their minion to limp along alone towards safety. Hundreds of English seamen were abandoned. Drake's hostility towards the Spanish is said to have started with this incident. I don't want to be immature, but <laughs> semen. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for you to say that. <laughs> like, I know that, <laughs> I know, but still makes me laugh. Anyway, sorry, carry on. Uh, details of the aftermath have remained unclear. Hawkins accused Drake of desertion and of stealing the treasure they had accumulated. Drake denied, but accusations are certain he had distri distributed all profits among the crew and that he had believed Hawkins was lost when he left. Other eyewitness accounts seem to exonerate Drake. Whatever the truth about this episode, there is no doubt that it turned Drake's ambitions into a new channel. Thereafter, Spain and all things Spanish became his prey. So a slaving and trading voyagers no longer interested him. An ignoble ambition, perhaps, but the circumstances of European politics in the 1570s and 1580s combined with Drake's personal brilliance and tenacious character served to transfer, transform in, transform it into a plan of historic importance. Ooh, historic importance. Woo! Um, that's all I have. There is a lot about Drake. Yeah. If I wanted to, I would have written it all down. However, I didn't want to like go on and on and on because yeah. he did a lot for like this country, but obviously it was seen in a bad way, like, with the Spanish yeah. and the Portuguese. Queen Elizabeth loved him, didn't she? Oh, yeah, she proper bummed him. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know if there was 
Is he one of the people that she supposedly had an not an affair with? But no, I think that's someone. I think that's someone else. If I'm yeah remembering it right, but yeah, he was like proper. He was proper famous with us, like for all the good things because it helped with like you know making us rich. Yeah, got us established. Uh, yeah, all- and he did help like circumnavigate obviously like the world. Yeah, you know, expeditions, but yeah, he was a. You were not a good name in a Spanish and Portuguese. Yeah. I mean, you'd kind of hate him too if he came on and stole your shit. Yeah. There's like one section. Um, actually, I have written a brief thing down for it. He like has a falling out with like his um, second in command, I think. Oh, yeah. Uh, his name was Thomas Doughty. 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 And basically, like in a way of, like, being able to execute him. Like, he beheads him and stuff, but he accuses him of witchcraft and stuff. Oh, sneaky! Yeah. They kept having falling outs and stuff, so in his mind, he got, like, he accused him of, like, witchcraft and some other bits and bobs on the ship, and then he got excommunicated and beheaded. That's a shitty thing to do to Francis Drake. Yeah, because... Not everyone's going to have the same opinion as you, though. Like, you're yeah. living in a very confined space for, like, a long period of time. Yeah. Obviously, you're not going to get on with everyone, but I feel like you need to be more open-minded at that point. Yep. Unless that guy was actually was a dick. Yeah. But, you know, there's, like... Headed. You could just, like, just put him on a rowboat and, like, be on your way, lad. Don't behead him for witchcraft. Yeah, you got accused of other things, and I can't remember what they were off the top of my head, but... Um, the witchcraft bit like popped out to me yeah so i have a story of anne bonnie a lady pirate we love to see it so she was born around 1697 in ireland her mum was called mary brennan and she was a servant and then anne's dad was william cormack who was a lawyer and mary's boss so what you've got here is a case of a lawyer shagging his maid yeah. Um, so there's not many official records of her life, but the most modern knowledge comes from a book called A General History of the Pirates by Charles Johnson. And I'm sure that was it's actually a really old book as well. So I say the most recent knowledge, but it's like still old as shit. So Anne and her mum and her dad all moved to London to get away from his wife's family because his wife, uh, when his wife found out that he had not only got this maid pregnant, but was like caring for this daughter and had actually taken her in. She'd kind of disowned him and she took away his allowance and ruined his reputation where he was living. So we had to move. So they moved down to London and he began dressing Anne as a boy and calling her Andy so that he could train her as a lawyer's clerk. Then the three of them moved to Charlestown which is in the province of Carolina. So the province of Carolina was an English or British province in the US. It was made up of modern day Alabama. I was going to say Alabama, then (laughs) Alabama, Georgia, Mississippi, North Carolina, South Carolina, Tennessee and the Bahamas. So Charlestown is now called Charleston, which is a place in South Carolina. Anyway, Hoppus, he loves a good carrier bag. Anyway. (laughs) The family had a bit of a rough start in Charlestown, but his knowledge of the dad's knowledge of the law and his ability to buy and sell goods soon helped them to buy a townhouse in town 
obviously, and then a plantation out of town. He was unable to establish himself as an attorney, so he became a merchant and managed to accumulate a substantial fortune. When Anne was around 12, her mother died of typhoid fever. Oh, sucks. So it was just Anne and her dad. But to, like, to give him some credit, I, do, I don't, he didn't just like shag the servants and get her pregnant. It seemed like he actually quite liked this maid because he moved with her to a, like to London and then to like the other side of the world. Like yeah. anyway, so Anne had Anne had red hair and she was considered to be a good catch despite having a fiery temper. At 13 she supposedly stabbed a servant girl with a knife and apparently she beat an attempted rapist so hard that he was hospitalized for a few weeks. Good on you. Um, I like her. <laughs> so her dad tried to arrange a sensible marriage for her, but she refused. And instead, at the age of 16, she married a poor sailor slash small time pirate called James Bonney. So this is where she gets her actual last name from because she's known as Anne Bonney. James had originally married her for her father's estate, but her father had kicked her out because he did not approve of the marriage. There's a rumour that Anne set fire to her dad's plantation in retaliation for being kicked out, but there's no evidence to, to support this. Sometime between 1714 and 1718, James and Anne moved to the Republic of Pirates, which I mentioned earlier. Um, so it's a known sanctuary for English pirates in the Caribbean. Literally, Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> um, whilst living here, James struggled to support his wife, so he became an informant for the governor, which is basically a snitch, um, and it led to a lot of pirates being arrested. Anne who had been spending a lot of her time in the taverns, mingling with the other sailors and pirates. She strongly disapproved of her husband snitching on all of her friends. It was here in these taverns that she met a guy called John Rackham, also known as Calico Jack, who was a pirate I had heard of. He, uh, They became lovers and Jack offered Anne's husband money to divorce her so that they could be together. But James, the little snitch and prick, refused and he threatened to beat Jack to death. So instead, Anne and Jack ran away together by stealing an English sloop from a Spanish warship. So they keep using the word sloop. And essentially, I think it's just like a, quite a small pirate ship type thing. Um, yeah. But apparently the way they stole this boat was um, it was this small boat that this larger Spanish ship had captured and it had pulled into the marina. They already had a boat. I think that's how they stole the ship. They already had a boat and the Spanish were eyeing up their boat thinking oh shit there's some pirates there we'll get them but they couldn't get close enough because the tide was out but overnight calico jack and Anne and their crew went and stole this smaller boat and just went off and then that spanish ship blew up their old boat thinking that they were all on it but they'd fucked off with this other boat lol so women were considered bad luck on a ship so Anne disguised herself as a man there was also another woman on the ship called mary reed who was also disguised as a man. Only Jack, Mary and Anne knew there were two women on board until Anne became pregnant and it became impossible for her to hide that she was not a man. There's also, oh there's also a rumour that Mary and Anne only found out each other were women because one of them had a crush on the other and they were like, oh, I really fancy you. And they were like, mm, awkward, I'm a woman. And they're like, oh, me too. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Can you imagine that? You're just like, uh, yeah, I'm a like, oh, woman. He's really fit. Mm. <laughs> oh, wait. <laughs> okay, so Anne is pregnant. 
The ship dropped her off in Cuba to give birth, but no one's really sure what happened to this child. There are a few theories, such as some think she just abandoned it. Some believe that Jack had a friend in Cuba who agreed to raise the child. And some believe that the child just died in childbirth, like no one's really sure. So they picked they picked Dan up again. She did rejoin the ship. Back on the ship, they spent years in Jamaica and the surrounding areas. Anne and Mary were great friends and took part in the combat and pirating alongside the men. They were seen as equals, which was rare for women at the time. And they were even included in the wanted pirates section of newspapers. Aww. So I'm guessing at this point, the men in the ship, men on the ship knew that they were both women, or at least Anne was. But yeah, so their names were included in the wanted pirate section in some newspapers at the time. I don't know why I thought that was really cool. In October of 1720, their ship was attacked by another ship captained by a guy called Jonathan Barnett. He had been commissioned by the governor of Jamaica to arrest them. The majority of Jack's crew were too drunk to put up a fight and hid inside. Only Mary and Anne tried to defend the ship against Barnett's crew. It was a fairly short fight because of how unfair it was. And the whole crew were then taken to Port Royal in Jamaica to stand trial. So I guess this is why some of the rules on that pirate code were like, don't be drunk, essentially. Yeah. Because you're never going to know when you're going to be got going to be got so everybody in the crew was found guilty of piracy to which the sentence was death by hanging Anne's last words to jack were had you fought like a man you need not have been hanged like a dog all the men were hanged but both women claimed to be pregnant so there was this thing you could do at the time which is where you plead with your belly (laughs) which um meant that because you're pregnant their execution was delayed until after you'd given birth, which I think is fair. But then that poor child is like born and then the mum's executed straight away. Poor Mary Reed, though, she died in prison from a fever. So she didn't actually get executed. She just died. But then there's no record of Anne's release and there's no record of Anne's execution. So there's a lot of speculation about what actually happened to her. There's a ledger that lists the burial of an Anne Bonny in December of 1733 in the same Jamaican town where she was tried. But that name is spelt slightly differently, so they don't know if that's her or not. And that is a good, like, 13 years after she was captured and sentenced to hanging. Other sources state that her father paid the ransom for his daughter and brought her home to Charlestown soon after she gave birth to Jack's child. And then in 1721, apparently she remarried to another guy called Joseph Burley, and they had eight children together. And she died around the age of 80 in South Carolina. So no, no one eight knows. Eight children. Yeah, that's like a lot. Jesus. You're like popping out watermelon seeds at that point. Yeah. So, right. oh. so bear in mind, she'd had that child in Cuba. Then she'd had Jack's child when she was executed. And then she had eight kids with this guy. So she had 10 kids overall, according. That's I, like, no. that's eight kids. <laughs> like two's enough. Two would be fine. Thank you. God. I always say that, like, if I want a kid, I'll just have the one. And everyone's like, oh, you just want a brat. And I was like, well, they only get raised as brats when, like... If you let them. The parents are, yeah. yeah. I don't think I'd, like, let my child be raised as a brat, to be honest. No. I'd always want at least two, just so they have siblings. Because I like my siblings. And it's fun when you're on holiday and stuff that you can play in the pool with another kid. Yeah, that's true. And not I mean, I guess my brothers are okay. <laughs> When you were kids, like if you went on holiday, I bet it was nice to have someone to play with. 
yes and no. I'm the only girl in my family, so you yeah. can imagine how difficult that was. But me and my little brother, Jack, I remember being on holiday in Florida once and playing this game in the pool where we pretended the house was flooding and we needed to find these special keys <laughs> to stop it from flooding. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't rule out having like two kids, but like I'd always say I have one and then at least wait a bit. Yeah. I wouldn't be like popping out a tribe. No thanks. Not 10, like little Anne Bonnie. But I suppose they didn't have contraception back then. So yeah, that's true. So I guess it's kind of unavoidable, isn't it? Yeah. And to be fair, to have that many children... Actually, I don't know if that many children survived or not. What I was going to say was maybe she was pregnant more than that and those are the only ones that survived. But actually, it doesn't clarify if they survived or not. So Yeah. Well, that was pretty interesting. Like, Yeah. She seemed pretty cool. Like, she'd stand. it seems like she would stand up for herself and then was completely holding her own in a men's world. Yeah. More than a... Her second husband. Yeah. It makes so like hearing that story of her, some of, well, a lot of the pirates code makes sense anyway, but things make sense even more now hearing that story. Like they were all just too drunk to defend the ship. Yeah. Which happens because men are sloppy when they're drunk. Yes. Even though they're like, no, I'm not. I just like, bro. <laughs> You're really drunk. Are you sure? <laughs> You're really drunk. You should stop drinking now. No, I'm not. Don't tell me what to do trips over like nothing <laughs> yeah I know quite a few people like that in my life you yep. do that yeah I'm not sloppy when I'm drunk passes out on the floor yeah sure yeah why not yeah. I'm not drunk just listen to me it tells me the same story I've heard six times that evening yeah I can handle my drink okay have a glass of gin no and then they're like oh my god I can't do that again <laughs> it was the gin it was gin is an acquired taste yeah. This is a very quiet taste. To be fair, gin is gross on its own. I mean, <laughs> I can drink it on its own. You see that, you've seen that, that yes. video. To be fair, I'm quite good at downing drinks. So if I needed to down a drink of solid gin, then I probably could. Ah, so just to completely go off topic, there's this task on Taskmaster that we watched the other day where contestants had to just drink a glass of water or glass of juice but had to keep their mouth open at all times. Oh, no. (laughs) Right. Four of them, four of them were really struggled to do it and they just couldn't do it. And they were like, "Uh, it's impossible. It's impossible. And I was like, what? And I can do it. And I showed Eamon, I can just down a drink with my mouth open the whole time. And then Eamon couldn't do it. And my mind was completely blown that some people can't swallow without closing (laughs) their mouth. (laughs) It's like, I don't know. Let me try and take it like a gulp. Mm-mm. It's like an automatic reaction. No, look. Go oh, on, show me. No way. Easy. But I think but that's it's like when you when you like roll your tongue though, isn't it? Like some people can do it, some people can't. Well, I think so. I think where I learned it from was I never used to be able to take pills. I used to be like you and Eamon and just couldn't do it. And then I was, I can't remember why I was determined to take these pills once. And I kind of taught myself and I just kind of this is going to sound really weird. I just kind of opened the back of my throat as wide as I can so I could get as much liquid down it as possible so that the pills would go down. And then at uni, that meant I was really good at downing drinks and competitions. Like we had this, um, one of those yard glasses, filled it with beer and I got, fir- there was only one of the lads that I didn't beat. I beat everybody else about how far I got down before stopping. And I think that's why. So drinking with my mouth yeah. open, 
completed it, mate. <laughs> anyway, I can't remember what made me talk, made me think about that. Well, we were just talking about drinking, weren't we? Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't do that, but it, I think it's the same as like, you know, whistling because I can't do whistling, I can't roll my tongue. I can't, I like, can't. that's like, um, uh, actual down to your like genetics, that is as well. Yeah, I can't whistle though, I don't think. No, I can't whistle. No, and there's an episode of Peppa Pig where Susie Sheep rings up Peppa, or Peppa rings up Susie Sheep, and Peppa's like, Can you whistle? Um, and Susie Sheep's like, yeah, look, and then whistles, and then Pepper just hangs up on her because she's angry because Peppa Pig <laughs> Have you watched the Scottish one? No. If you type in Scottish Pepper Pig on, like, YouTube or something, yeah. it'll come up, and, oh, my God, it's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> it's just the accent as well. It's just, yeah. like, absolute savage. <laughs> I think that – I'm pretty sure it's that scene – that episode yeah. where we talk about whistling and stuff like someone's just like done like a voiceover that's amazing it just in like a scottish accent and it's proper savage i can't roll my r's you know like when like spanish people do yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i can't do that either no so like when me and Morgina are like rapping to a cardi b song she does it a lot so oh. i just wait for Morgina to do it yeah yeah like that i can't do that um pulse. yeah literally can't that's scaring rocket me doing that so like when two plus like you know purrs or something or he makes like his cute little noises i go <laughs> because i can only do that because yeah. <laughs> i can't do the like rolling of the tongue oh i'd quite like to be a pirate i think i mean it's definitely not as glamorous and exciting as it sounds because it was so long ago infections dirt you know but i like the idea of being a pirate in the caribbean yeah i didn't i i would enjoy being a pirate yeah because it seemed it just seemed fair at that point yeah like, i mean you wouldn't have to worry about like what social status you got no technically we'd have to pretend we weren't women to be... i can do that yeah i can't my boobs are too big i just have to be a fat man wouldn't i <laughs> <laughs> would you rather be a pirate in the Caribbean, in those in the golden age of piracy, or would you rather be a vampire? Oh, ah, oh, shit. Ah, oh. no, I'd still be a vampire, right? Because yeah. I could be a vampire pirate. Okay. Because <laughs> I, I wouldn't, ha- I wouldn't have to worry about getting ill or anything. True. So I, piracy is still an option, but I, you know, I'm not ruling out vampirism. But you what would about have you? to. I feel like, yeah. But then you couldn't be a vampire pirate in the Caribbean. It would depend on what the actual vampire laws around sun are, like how they actually react. Because yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. And to be a pirate in the golden age of piracy and a vampire, you would need a time machine to take you back. So you couldn't be turned yeah. a vampire now, could you? And then be a pirate too. Because I think pirates nowadays are a bit shit. You don't get to wear like headscarves and nice. Well, pi- pirates nowadays are like. They're like more savage, aren't they? They don't have yeah. a code. Not like they just do whatever. Yeah. In the 1700s, okay. it's all very polite. Yeah. Oh shit. I forgot about the sun. Yeah. <laughs> Completely forgot about that big bright thing. So right now I'm sitting here, I'm cold, it's snowed. I'm thinking, yeah, I could go to the Caribbean and become a pirate. 
Um, but then I don't know. I, it would be cool to be a vampire too. No, I'd be a vampire. Yeah, I know you'd be would. a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> My love for vampires is like too much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What would you? What would your pirate name be? Sure. Are you? Would you just go as Laura Gordon? Probably, because I'm not very inventive. Unless someone gave me a nickname, then maybe I'd go with that. But I oh, know because I'd have to pretend yeah. to be a man. Oh. Yeah. So. What was your what would your male pet pirate name be? <laughs> I tried so my my thought process then was like, right, so your name's Laura. So Lawrence is a good name that's similar to Laura, but it's a boy's name. Lawrence Cheney. <laughs> <laughs> but that was already taken. So no, I don't know what my name would be. White beard, blonde beard, no beard. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'd just call myself Emmett. Yeah. Because I can, I can be called M still. Or maybe I should just Unless, be Laurie then. Yeah, short for Lawrence. Yeah. <laughs> Captain Emmett. Got nice oh, yeah. ring to it, actually. Or maybe we should just start an all-female pirate ship so that we can all be females. Yeah, that's true. Oh, too many hormones, though, I think. True. Yeah. Well, we can just make people walk the plank if they annoy us. <laughs> walk the plank! <laughs> You are you are being accused of hormones. You are officially marooned. Yeah, if I like my pirate name would be Captain Emmett. I like that. That suits you. Yeah. I think I can pass off as a guy, I think. I'm flatting my boobs to my chest. I would absolutely struggle with that, but I'd give it a good go. <laughs> we just have to get like you'll just have to hold your your boobs like really down oh that would hurt actually yeah it would I just have to I think it's all about the outfit isn't it as well like yeah if you have a bag your baggy top on yeah just don't get it and wet. then you just yeah slightly slightly um flat in your chest yeah um and I bet I'd probably be a bit skinnier because I probably wouldn't be as well fed and I'd be a lot more active so maybe <laughs> there'd be less of them to hide <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you're just like naturally big breasted. Oh yeah, if I lose weight, they're still big, but you know. I read something the other day actually, and it said that apparently women with bigger boobs suffer with colds worse than like people with smaller boobs. I mean, I didn't know that, but yeah, yeah. I have always suffered with colds. Until I maybe it's because you've got so much on your chest. Yeah. That when you've got a cold, that it's more difficult to get rid of. I don't know. It's it's like so obviously if I'm lying on my back, it's quite heavy weight on my lungs, um, and puts a lot of pressure on it. Yeah. I've so I always used to get colds and the and chest infections, and they always used to last a really long time until I started getting the flu jab. And then so I've only had the flu jab for a few years because I've only been diagnosed with diabetes for a few years. But like 2018 and 2019 were the first winters that I can ever remember not having colds at all I got through them all with no colds 2020 yeah I did too but that's because I wasn't going anywhere and then obviously this winter I got my flu jab during this illness that I've just had fantastic yeah but I think that the reason why we're getting ill um is because we're not really exposed to out to the outside world as much yeah. so like germs and stuff like some germs are quite good for us because it helps with antibodies and whatnot yeah. but I think we're getting ill more on the basis of we're not socializing with other people more and yep. you know germs essentially um, 
Well, we've been inside basically for almost two years. So our immune systems have just gone to shit. So, yeah, I mean, a lot's gone to shit in them two years. And it, I'm really hoping Boris doesn't put us in another fucking lockdown. Yeah. See, this is why I want to be in the Caribbean yeah. 1700s. <laughs> I bet they didn't get many calls yeah. back then. No, they just died. <laughs> yeah. Just died of other illnesses. Diseases. I bet they were all right with <laughs> syphilis and stuff like that. But you know. Yeah. But yeah, he's thinking about putting a lockdown over Christmas. Yeah, because the new variant. Which I kind of hope doesn't happen, but it is what it is, isn't it? Yeah, I feel like it kind of needs to happen sooner rather than later before it gets out of hand again. But anyway, I'm fed up with it now. I've got a yes. lesson for today. Oh, what's the lesson? If someone wants to hang you. Just pretend you're pregnant because they can't execute you whilst you're pregnant. True. Or no getting drunk on pirate ships. And that don't. Today's <laughs> lesson is don't trust men. They will just <laughs> drink get drunk. Responsibly. They will get drunk <laughs> and let the ship be captured. Yeah. 100%. Shame on you, men. <laughs> Shame. Yes. So, are we done? Shall I do the finishing off bit now? Yeah. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I am very sorry that we didn't speak in pirate the whole way through, but <laughs> I don't think I could have. I done. know I should have. I should have practiced my voice. Like ah, shiver on the timbers. It was really <laughs> terrible in it. Ah, uh, it would have been funny though. Anyway, please head over to our Instagram, which is at Gin and Spooks, for photos relating to this week's episode. Also, give us a follow on Twitter which is at Gin and Spooks pod. We also have a blog, which is ginandspooks.wordpress.com. All the photos from today's episode will be on there as well. If you have any uh, drink suggestions or scary stories of your own, please email them over to us at ginandspooks at gmail.com or send us a DM on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, whatever, however you like. It's there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right. Bye. Bye.